So it's Acts chapter 15, verses 1 to 11. Some men came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. This brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed along with some other believers to go up to Jerusalem to see the apostles and elders about this question. The church sent them on their way and as they travelled through somewhere and Samaria they told how the Gentiles had been converted. This news made all the brothers very glad. When they came to Jerusalem they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and elders to whom they reported everything God had done through them. Then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said the Gentiles must be circumcised and required to obey the law of Moses. The apostles and elders met to consider this question. After much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them. Brothers, you know that some time ago God made a choice among you that Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them, just as he did to us. He made no distinction between us and them, for he purified their hearts by faith. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of the disciples a yoke that neither neither we nor our fathers have been able to bear? No, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved just as they are. Now, for those of you who've been here when I've been preaching, you will know that what I've been doing, I usually follow a series, and the series that I've been preaching at the moment is about what it means to be a missional church, or to be God's missional church. And um, I was going to continue that this morning, and perhaps this does fit in, Um, but I've been praying a lot, and um, felt that actually that what God had put on my heart was a slightly different message. Um, And so I've taken a break and put that to one side. We will come back to it. I haven't forgotten about it. But I felt that there was something that I needed to share um, and that God had put on my heart to share. So that is what I'm going to do um, this morning. Now, I don't know um, how well you know me or bits about my life. I used to work for an organisation with the initial C-Y-M. Now, if you're a Christian youth worker, um, this is one of those sets of initials that has all sorts of different meanings. Um, because there's... I can't even remember what one of them stands for. What did you train through, Stuart? The Centre for Youth Ministry. And they train up youth workers. So whenever I've said, amongst Christian youth workers, that I used to work for an organisation called C-Y-M, they assume it's that one. But it's not, because in Ipswich... There was an organisation called CYM which stood for Christian Youth Ministries. Um, And basically this organisation was set up in about the mid-1980s. And what they did was they said, okay, we feel at this time that God is calling us to do outreach to young people in and around Ipswich. 
I wasn't there then, um, but that's what they did. And so they set it up and they did all sorts of different things. They put on different youth events. And it was at a time when churches tended not to have youth pastors or youth workers working for them. Uh, and so um, this organisation would bring Christian young people together from around the town and they would do they'd have worship services. They, they, had a, they put on a nightclub. Um, for young people, which attracted hundreds of young people to it, um, as one way that they could go, well, how do we gather young people um, that aren't Christian, how do they, they don't know the gospel, and they started to be able to share the gospel through that, um, and then the local nightclubs realised that that attracted a lot of people, so they started putting on underage nights, and so that kind of took away from it, so they changed their tack, and they did things differently. Um, they have had workers going into schools and teaching lessons, they now work with children in primary schools and secondary schools. They're even branching out to students because I think it's still the newest university to have been set up in the country was in Ipswich um, a few years ago. And along the way, they've changed what they do, but they've still got the same premise, and that is to transform lives. And so um, I went and worked for them. The title I had... Um, when I first went, was called Youth Specialist, um, because I was going to be working with young people of the teenage variety. Um, that was going to be part of my job. And the other part of my job was to do, um, I was going to do outdoor education, because what they did, in their work with schools, they said to schools, how can we engage with you more? How could we work with you better? What can we do more? And the schools said, oh, well, the thing we do is when we go on a school trip, when we have a residential where we take children away somewhere, we always need some extra help. And I think what the schools were really saying was, we trust the people that work with you, the volunteers and the staff you've got, and it would be great if you could support us and come away with us. What CYM did was say, well, that would be all right, but what if we set up our own thing? And we invited schools to come to us. And we set up a residential project. So they then work with schools in setting it up. So this was where I used to work. I don't know how well you can see that. This is basically my office. Um, this is a place called Sizewell Hall. If you've heard of Sizewell Power Station, the joke that used to be made by the staff working at Sizewell Hall was that this was the real power station. Because um, we had God and the Holy Spirit and they just had nuclear power up the road. Um, but this way we work, you can't see there. Um, but just, just to the side of the building there, this is a lovely, big, um, old house. Um, and it was turning... It, people go there for Christian conferences. Um, churches go and use it for weekends and have retreats and things. Um, and they said, well, we, we don't really have many people come during the week. It's always empty, kind of Monday to Friday. And it'd be great to find ways of using it. Um, and so CYM said, well, we'd love to do some residential things. And how do we engage? How do we teach children about the gospel and show them not just through a kind of 10 minute assembly or a one hour lesson? How do we get to spend time with people and really engage them? And they already ran some residentials here. That was kind of a weekend for children or a weekend there for teenagers. Um, and they set up a thing called African Adventure. Um, so I used to have... Um, this great, I used to be able to say that I was the chief of an African village on the Suffolk coast. There's not too many people that are able to, I think there's three of us that now have had, been able to say that. Um, and so they built this African village um, in the grounds of Sizewell Hall. And children would come, um, occasionally we'd get people that are actually from Africa, not just um, English people pretending that we knew what Africa was like. Um, and I had some great experiences 
where I'd get to show people around and I'd just open the gate to the village and people would just start crying because it reminded them of home. Uh, and it was wonderful. Um, and so what would happen is children would come and they'd spend a week and the story that went with the week was you have been invited by the villagers to come because you're part of an aid agency and they've had some problems and they would love to get some help from this aid agency and to sort some of those things out. And so that was the general story. Um, and then different tasks and activities would take place during the week. One of the things that took place was what was called a low ropes course. Um, and so if you ever go to a park, um, you'll see that children climbing on all sorts of things. Children like to climb on stuff, don't they? Well, what we had was basically a bit of a posh climbing thing to play on. And it was only about the height of the floor of one of these chairs. It wasn't very high. If you fell off, you weren't going to hurt yourself very much at all. And what we would say to the children when they came to this, we'd give them some story about how it fitted in with, you know, you've got to cross some river or something. And, uh, and we had some pictures of some probably more rural bridges in Africa. Um, obviously, we know that in Africa there are roads and there are bridges and we don't want to have the full stereotype that everyone living across Africa um, lives in rural huts as the one show. Not everybody does, but this was the representation that we had. But what would happen is we'd say, okay, the task that you've got to do is you've got to get as a team from one end of the low ropes course to the other. And so inevitably, there would be usually a couple of boys that would go, yeah, we could do that, and they would jump up onto the platform, and they would look at the rope in front of them, and there'd be another rope hanging down, and they'd be like, this is easy, and they'd get a hold of the rope, and off they'd go, and they'd go across, and they'd get to the next platform, and they'd be waiting to go onto the next platform, it was really exciting. There'd then be usually a couple of girls, not always, but usually there'd be a couple of girls, and they'd kind of hold hands. And they'd get up and they'd go, yeah, come on. And they'd be doing it together, just the two of them. Now I'll pass you the rope. And they'd be natural as they went. And they'd pass the person the rope. And they'd do it together. And the two of them would go across. And oh, it's lovely, isn't it? Yeah, you're across. <laughs> Look at us being wonderful together. And the girls would do it together. There'd then be another couple. And they would take a different approach altogether. Their approach was, well, the length of the rope. I estimate that it is probably about two to three metres long. Uh, and I think that if we are to get across here, then the way that we need to do it. And they would analyse the whole thing and they'd be talking to each other. They wouldn't have a clue what everybody else is doing because they're focused in on their... They're just, they would be trying to work this thing out. And they probably had listened to the, some of the earlier instructions and, and you'd get them going, no, no, you shouldn't be... The two that have gone ahead already, but no, no, they're, they're going ahead, they're ruining it because they haven't followed the instruction, they've gone already, and what... No, but we need to... And, and they didn't... They, it was great. And then there'd be a couple more and they would be over here and if we managed to get them onto the platform... Up here, get up onto the platform, they'd be ever so nervous... And they'd be clinging to the tree on this side, terrified, because they might fall off. Because it's very nerve-wracking. 
and they'd need encouraging and we'd spend a lot of time with them going, no, you can do it. And the teachers would be nurturing them and some of their friends, well, half the class are over here by now and they're still over there. Come on. Um, and the kids on this side who brushed their head who've been told, no, don't go too far. They're like, oh, come on, we going with it. It's not scary. It's not very fun. And eventually, they'd all get from the first tree to the second tree across one rope. And that would take a little while. And then they'd move on and there's another section going on. I won't keep going that way because I'll walk into a wall. So we're now imagine I'm at the second section. And I would say, well done. You've all, you've all done well, you've all got across. Brilliant. However, you're not going to complete the challenge because you haven't listened to my instructions. And the first two, we're going, what are you doing? Of course we've done it. We've got to the other side and it's really easy. What's the problem? And the two girls that have been chatting to each other are like, uh, what? I didn't really hear the instructions because I was talking to my friend. Sorry. The, the ones that are nervous, they haven't heard anything because they're just too nervous about it. And they've kind of been panicking, so they couldn't take anything in. And then the two that have been analysing the whole thing are going, I know what it was! Pick me, pick me! I know why we didn't do it! Okay, would you like to explain to your friends in your class why you think we're Because we didn't work as a team! That's right, you didn't work as a team. I asked you to complete this challenge working as a team to get from one side to another. And of course, the first couple that are going to go, oh, I don't need to work as a team, I can do it on my own, I don't need a team. The girl, we did work as a team, we worked in a team of two. <laughs> And the nervous one's going, yeah, you should have worked in a team. Yeah, because you didn't help us. And so they'd get a bit better. And the next couple, they'd kind of, you'd be encouraging them and some of them would get a bit better at it. And then they'd get to the section where all they had was one wire to walk across. And nothing to hold on to. No rope in the middle there. Nothing going across here. Just a gap with a wire. And they would look at it, and those two that had been really, really just boastful at the start about how easy it was, suddenly went, oh, would it, but there's nothing to, where's, is there a rope behind us? No, there's nothing to, how, oh. How do we get across here? Or do, maybe I'll try and balance. I can't do it, I can't do it. How do you do it? It's not possible, it's impossible. No, you can't do it, it's impossible. No, I give up. The friends might have held each other's hands and tried it and they couldn't do it. And there was no way the nervous ones were going to do it. And of course, the two that have analysed it go, I know, I know, I know what we do, I know what we do, I know what we do. We've got to work as a team. You go, yes, we've got to work as a team. And so they would do it. And it would take a little while to work it out because the two that were reasonably good at it would go across first and they'd be holding each other and they'd get to the other side. Because they'd still do it in that order. Then the friends helping each other, they'd do it. And then the ones that were analysed would do it. And you're still left the nervous ones at that end. And the nervous ones, even if they could have done it, because they're nervous, they're looking at it too much and they're a bit wobbly and they can, just can't get going on it. And it would take a while. And eventually what they would realise is they would need to send one of the really confident ones first, the friends who were good at talking to each other next, the ones that knew what to do next, 
Then the ones that are really good at talking, again, say they're separated but can talk across. And then the really good ones at the end. And somewhere in the middle of that, you put the nervous ones. So they weren't left stranded at the back, but you had them dotted through. And the people that were communicating were at either end, and the confident ones could hold on at either end, because they were the ones that could probably just about do it one-handed from there to there. And then at the other end, they've got nothing to hold on there, but they can hold this back. And so they would eventually do it together. But along the way, there'd have been a bit of conflict. There'd have been some nerves. There'd have been some difficult times. I thought it was a lovely picture of the church. Because actually, we're all aiming for the same thing. We all long for the same goal, or goals, I guess. One of our goals is that one day we get to meet Jesus in glory. But along the way, we want to worship him and we'd love to be able to share the gospel and see others come to faith. And we've all got different ideas about how that might happen and how that might be. And there's some of us that will be here today and come to the church and if you read through the results of the survey that we did, that some people are really excited. It's like, yes, things are changing. There's, it's all new and it's different and it's great. And I love the curtain and the way we do things and it's just marvellous. And they want to run ahead. They'd love to run ahead. And then there's other people that are at a different place. They're going, mm, I'm, not, I'm not so keen. I find it very difficult. <coughs> I actually find it really difficult to even comprehend what anybody even likes about it. Like those nervous and hugging the tree. Couldn't get why there was people running across it in the first place. That was just like, why would you do that? There's some in the middle that like bits, don't like others, are talking to each other. And I found, reading the report and everyone's feedback, I found it really difficult. Some of the things are really practical. And it's like, well, yeah, actually, coffee out there, it's not that great. We could move it. Okay, fair enough, we'll we'll look at that. But I found it difficult because I realised that we're somewhere on one of those first two sections where the people at one end aren't necessarily speaking to the people at the other end. The people that are desperate to run ahead aren't necessarily speaking to the people and finding out why they're nervous about moving and changing things and the people that are moving that are a bit nervous about it aren't necessarily talking to and listening to the people that would love it to change and find it so much better and if I'm honest I I don't really mind which way the chairs end up facing because they're chairs what I care about is relationships what I care about is the relationships of people within this church and the relationship between this church and our community. And you see, that passage in Acts, I could have chosen any number of passages. could have chosen 1 Corinthians 12 and 13 that talks about the body working together for the common good and love for one another. But there was conflict in this passage. Chapter 15, it talks about a conflict. They said, we can't 
No, you can't do it different. Like all the old, all the Gentiles, all those that aren't, weren't born Jewish, if they're going to be Christians, they need to be circumcised. Now, I'm glad they came to the conclusion they did. I'll be honest. And they said, we need to look at this. We need to talk with each other. We need to find out what people are thinking and why they're thinking about it. And they discussed it and they went to their elders and they, they looked at it and they said, Okay, the conclusion we've got to come to is the Gentiles don't need to be circumcised because you get saved just as they are by grace. If you were to read on, what happens then is there's another conflict. It's kind of like you go, we've sorted this issue out and uh, Paul and Barnabas, who were on the same side at the beginning of the passage, get the end of it, and they go their separate ways because they've got different views on stuff. And it doesn't mean that the church falls apart and everything is terrible. It means it's a bit sad. They go their separate ways. They make up at a later point. And they go their separate ways again. There has been conflicts about all sorts of issues from the moment the church began. And there probably will be until Jesus' prayer that he prays in the Garden of Gethsemane is answered where he prayed for unity. Until that happens, when probably we're in glory, there's going to be things that we disagree about. One of the things of being a Baptist is that we do get to disagree on stuff. We're kind of renowned for disagreeing on stuff. I remember hearing Tony Campolo, uh, a well-known American uh, evangelical Christian. I think he's Baptist, actually. He was talking about a particular issue, him and his wife, and they had different views on it. He thought one thing, she thought another. And their comment was, we disagree on it, but it's not something to get a divorce about. And I thought, yeah, I kind of like that. Now, I don't know what's going to end up happening with the chairs. And in a way, that's kind of the smaller issue. Or which door we choose to walk in, or how we view things. But we're going to disagree on things. It might be the chairs, it might be how we do communion, it might be the choice of songs that we sing, it might be the, how long I preach for, it might be the colour of the walls, whether cornerstone is part of the church or is a separate thing. It might be, should we have a summer fair or not? It could be anything. There's going to be stuff along the way. Some of it will be practical things. Some of it will be (coughs) spiritual and doctrinal things. Things will have to change because the world changes just like CYM, who I worked for, had to change. Because the place that they were working, things changed. The community here has changed. The world out there has changed. But my hope, my hope and my prayer is that as things move forward, that we're able to talk to each other, 
that we're able to have those conversations, that we'll be able to say, do you know what, the reason I like this or don't like that, these are my reasons. And we'll be able to hear each other's. And we'll be able to do it in a way that doesn't make anyone feel that they're standing in the middle being pulled like they are on this low ropes course and, and pulled. But that actually we're in it together. That might mean laying down some of our own things. For those who really love it the way that we have it, and go, oh no, I hope we don't turn it back. It might be about going, well, actually, why, why do other people need it to be turned back? What, what would that do for them? Okay, I can hear that. For those people who really, really strongly feel that it needs to be turned around, to say, well, what? What is it about those people that like it this way? What is, what's the benefit? And whatever conclusion we come to about the chairs or about whatever, my hope is that we talk to each other and that we listen to one another and ultimately that we listen to God.